Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. So, um, we'd like to apologize if you hear any uh, dog noise in the background, because we are outnumbered. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) And we are practicing, you know, social distancing and COVID and all that. So, we are in our homes, surrounded by our fur babies. So, you might hear a sound or two. So they get to be part it of the is what it is. <laughs> They're my babies and live with this. Like when you come over to my house, if you don't like dog hair on your clothes, don't You're come over. You're the wrong house. Nope. <laughs> I love my fur babies more than I like you. So just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Depending on the person. Okay. So um, basically, the reason why you and I even decided to do this podcast was because we did some research out there and we found out there wasn't any podcast use on the, the psychiatrist or the therapist or whatever that put out, you know, things about divorce, but there weren't any women who had actually gone through it. Right. And, you know, had a podcast that you could listen to and basically dealt with the real side of divorce. Absolutely. You know, what leads into it, what you go through, what happens after, if you have kids, you know, all that shit that goes into it. Yeah, I I looked at a lot of different things when I first filed for divorce, and there were a few books out there, but I honestly didn't have the energy to read. I just needed to close my eyes and, and listen to someone who had been through the same thing, and I couldn't find it. Thank God I had you because then we ended up having these conversations. But and it's funny because divorce actually brought us back together. Yeah, that's true. So for those that don't know, Cheryl and I were friends for many years before, and then I was a bitch, and then (laughs) and so was I. Let's be fair. When the claws come out, they come out on both sides. (laughs) And we, you know, didn't speak for a couple of years, and actually our divorce and our similar situations brought us back together and our girls grew up as best friends, you know, for many years. Yeah. And the youngest who's remained best friends through the entire thing. Yeah. Props to them. Even when their moms were being assholes. Yeah. 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 And the older two drifted apart a little. They just went separate ways. But the younger two to this day would spend every day together if they could. We started this podcast for, you know, those that have been divorced, but we especially started it for those that have been divorced or are going through divorce or, you know, have that kind of experience for 35 years and older because that's kind of, you know, the sweet spot that yeah. there aren't a lot of resources for. And as we determined, as we were going through all of this, you're not as marketable anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way because... It just I mean, is what it is. It I mean, is, you're, yeah. you're at a certain age. And I'm not 23 and divorced. I'm not, you know. Right. And we've had a whole life of experience behind us now. So it's just completely different thing to all of a sudden be in your 40s or late 30s and have had this long marriage and then be dumped into single world. It's different than if single world was two years ago or three years ago. Exactly. And and no disrespect to the girls who, or or guys who are going through divorce at that point, but this is just different. It's different when you have 20 years of friends that were couple friends or family friends and your kids grew up together and all of a sudden you divide and everyone's deciding or thinks they have to decide which side to go on. Yeah. That whole team, this person or team, that person, why can't you support your friends going through a divorce and not choose sides. Just why can't you do exactly. that? And, oh, and when I say we're not as, you know, as marketable, I don't want to offend anybody. But Absolutely I mean, not. let's be honest, I'm in my 40s and, you know, it is it is what it is. And it's just a different world. We're at a different place. We look different than we did 20, 25 years ago. We act different. It's just a whole The men we date are different. Yes. 
I, I didn't even know what a dating app was yeah. <laughs> until I was recently divorced. So, yeah, it, it is a whole different world for sure. Exactly. So, a little background. I guess we'll give a little background on both of us. Sounds um, good. I grew up in a Mormon family, and a lot of that actually trickled into my friendships over the years and everything. But I grew up in a house where my mom always wanted me to marry a nice Mormon boy. And instead, all through my you know teenage years and especially my college years, I dated the opposite of that because I got to be honest, I wasn't ever, and we'll get this into this in another podcast, but I wasn't ever Mormon enough for the Mormon boys. Right. So I was like, screw y'all. And I you know, dated outside and much to my mother's dismay. So whenever I came back to the church, you know, after college or whatever, and I came back, I married the perfect the Mormon, Mormon boy. boy. Yeah, the good Mormon boy, returned missionary and all that, that my mother had always wanted me to marry. And I became the poster child for Mormon marriage in my family and amongst my friends. And you know, everyone kind of looked to me and I'll admit for 13 to 16 years, I had a really good marriage and it was hard. And we come from very different backgrounds. You know, even though we were Mormon, my family was inactive and active and in and out. And, you know, there was a time period where my mom was singing in bars and there was a time period where she was straight laced and one moment I was going to church, one moment I wasn't. Mm-hmm. His family is can trace their lineage all the way back to Christ. Even my family wasn't Mormon enough for you know his family and everything. But we ended up together for many years. And the reason why we got divorced was, you know, a whole issue in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, we literally lived separate lives for those 16 years. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden we, you know, when he was done with medical school and, and attending and we kind of focused back in on each other, we realized, oh, for 16 years, I was a basically a single mom raising kids and you were focusing on medical school. And now, and now we see each other again and we don't really know each other, no. let alone like each other. Maybe. No. <laughs> very like in my face discovered that he's not a social person and Cheryl you know me I'm social as hell absolutely and you know he's not a social person and anyways it just started breaking down and for three years I fought for it and we ended up getting a divorce I'll go into details much later but I have three kids three beautiful kids so I have no regrets the only regret I have is maybe spending those three years fighting and part of me feels like they were a waste right you know part of me feels like they were For nothing. Right. Um, Because it takes two to want it. Absolutely. And not just one. So all those stresses are going on. And that's what made me kind of lash out at you at that time. And you didn't know those stresses were going on. And at the same time, you had no idea I was going through my own stressors in my marriage because I kept mine completely behind closed doors. Yeah. So I, I think we both just were at this boiling point and something silly just made us both explode and take it out on each other. And I've done enough reading and trying to fix relationships. I see now that I, I feel like we felt safe with each other. And so we let out on each other for that reason. But it did end our friendship for a few years, which, yeah, which was sad. But here we are now. Yes, here we are now. And we got our, you know, our little podcast that we're launching. And I think we can truly speak honestly and openly about divorce and motherhood and sex and all these, you know, issues that there's just not enough information out there about. There's not enough talk. I don't don't want to say information. I mean, there's information for everything. Yeah. Right. But there's not enough talk. There's not enough openness. How many times have we been in conversations? We're like, 
God, I, you know, I wish people would talk about that. Right. More. And that's what we want to do here. So, yeah, I think that slowly but surely I'm having more friends that are going through the same experience. I can just off the top of my head, name a handful that are ending long marriages. And so I think it's more of a need too, as, as the divorce age changes, like the average age mm-hmm. of, of ending these marriages, because more and more people are getting out of long divorces after 20, 30 years. Yeah. And that's not necessarily something that I think is talked about enough, especially like you said, like this, where you can just say what you need to say and not sugarcoat it and not read it from a psychologist. Like I get the psychology behind it. I just, sometimes you just need to talk to someone who's going through the same thing and understand that, Hey, I'm not the only one here. (laughs) I have so much respect for psychiatrists and therapists. I I do. And and my family has used them, blah, blah, blah. However, I'm a firm believer in the fact that you cannot learn the experiences that I experienced through your textbook. Right. I'm sorry. You can't. No, you I can't. Agree. I absolutely agree. I want to talk to divorced women that will say this happened to me and this happened to me and I can relate and we can, you know, share those experiences mm-hmm. and we can get mad and we can laugh and we can. I, that's what I want. That's what helps me get through. Absolutely. No, I feel the same. And I had and still have a fabulous therapist. Love her. She gives me all kinds of great advice on how to build myself back up. Maybe this is everyone that gets out of divorce, but most of us have a pretty solid hit to our self-esteem. And she helped me a ton with that, um, with not feeling like I was worthy enough. But she couldn't always understand the specific issues I was dealing with because she um, she was 20 years younger than me Mm -hmm. and just hadn't had that life experience. So I do get more from that aspect. I get more healing from someone who's been through the same thing or is going through the same thing. And, you know, we're, we're like all on the spectrum. It's girl so, talk. Absolutely. It, yeah. There's so much healing in girl talk. Yeah. Like it, it really is truly underestimated by our gender. Like it is freeing, especially when you have a, you know, a room full of people or a group and you can just talk about any and everything. Right. There's no judgment. There's, you know, let it all out. There's absolutely. tears. There's laughter. And just that feeling that you're not going through this alone, that, Your experience is not this crazy, absurd, way off track experience that you're never going to recover from. Like here's person A, person B, person C who have all been there in something similar, whether the you know background is exactly the same or not. But they've still reached this point where they love themselves and they value themselves. And that's so healing, you know, to have those conversations. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So do you want to share a little bit about your I was going to say, speaking of <laughs> opposite backgrounds, so Vina and I come from very different backgrounds, but ended up at the same place in life, which makes our conversations really interesting sometimes. I did not grow up in any specific religion. My parents did have me baptized when I was little, but we never went to church. And so that wasn't a factor in my life at all. But I was fortunate enough to come from parents who just loved the hell out of each other. And uh, they were my role models. So that's what I wanted out of my life. I just wanted to love and to travel and to have fun like my parents did. And I think I was eager to do that early. I'm not really sure why, but something in my head told me like I I needed to do that in my early 20s. So in retrospect, I think I should have waited longer and got to know my ex-husband better. You would have been and a good Mormon girl because we like to get married when we're 19 and 20. <laughs> well, I waited till 23. I'm, I'm on the rebellious side. Oh, you're almost a spinster. 
<laughs> and you know, my oldest daughter's 22 now, and I, I can't picture her getting married in a year. Oh, hell no. I, I think things are so and I'm different. I'm taking a now. mile, my 22 yeah. year old. Yeah, yours hell is the same age. No. But that's good because it, you're so young. And I know I had graduated college. I felt like I was at that place. Like, that's what you do, right? You yeah. Know? You go to high school, you go to college, you get your degree, you start your job, and then you get married. Then you're all set. So I did. And my marriage was uh, <laughs> 22 years of really long, long, long abuse. But I covered it up and just went with it and thought that, you know, this is just married life. This is how things are. People fight and fights get ugly. And maybe my parents fought like this and I never saw it. Mm -hmm. You know, they kept it away from me. Or maybe it's just, you know, I have to do this or I have to do that with my ex-husband. If I love him more, if I show him that he's appreciated more, he'll, he'll stop talking to me like that. He'll stop making me feel like shit. And I just did not want to get divorced. I had this horrible stigma in my head. Like that means I failed at my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I yep. kept going and I kept going and I kept going and I put up with it for, for 22 years. And I do think, like you said, I do look back and think, man, I could have left at this point or this point, but I don't know something just cause there were good times. I, I wasn't yeah. miserable for 22 years, but something just kept me there. Just thinking if I did something right, if I changed what I needed to change, he would get better. Mm -hmm. And now I understand I a narcissist and an emotional abuser and a, a verbal abuser way more than I ever really <laughs> would mm -hmm. like to. But now I understand that, you know, chances are very, very slim that people like that ever change. And so I waited a little longer than I probably should have, but I have my beautiful kids yeah, and I, mean, I don't regret anything because I think in the long run, it happened how it happened. And, you know, I've been divorced almost three years now and my girls are grown and I'm learning a lot about myself still. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think in, in my case, he definitely wasn't abusive, but he was he was a, a narcissist. Like it, it, it's his way or the highway. It's he's always right. And for many, many years, I, you know, I just accepted that. And especially my religion, I looked to him to be the leader of the family, the head of the family, Absolutely. the guy, you know, the guy, the, the priesthood holder and all that. But at the same time, I come from a very matriarchal family where men are chewed up and spit out if they don't <laughs> fit in next. So what I did with that was I saw all of that toxicity where we went over the top. You know, the women went over the top with their control mm -hmm. because we had all been hurt so many times that right. I was like, oh, I'm going to change this. I've, I've got this figured out. And I let him have most of the control where I bowed down to and allowed him to make decisions for us. You know, we lived away from my family. And some of that had to do with me where I wanted to raise my kids outside of that, you know, wanted to break the chains and mm -hmm. that toxic environment. But also that took me away from my support groups. And, you know, everywhere we moved, I had to find a new support group. And, well, anytime, you know, and, and most women know, anytime you find a new support group, you put on a persona. Absolutely. To make sure that, you know, you fit in and you don't start really showing your, let your freak flag fly or whatever <laughs> until you get to know them right. really, really well. So, and if you move enough, you feel like you're constantly living a persona. And so I became more and more dependent upon him and he was my best friend and I identified myself as a mom, you know, a mom and a wife only. Absolutely. And kind of lived in my cocoon. And the problem with that is, is that I never really, well, for, I was married 20 years. I never really lived my 
own identity. I never lived my dreams. I right. put, you know, everything on hold and I put all my eggs in my the basket that is I'm a mother. Absolutely. And nothing's wrong with that if you have balance because I'm also a woman. I'm also a wife. I'm also, I want a career. I'm right. also, you know, we were so hyper-focused on him going to medical school and all of that, that that became my main focus. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, when we came back together, when he was in attending finally, and I was having him home all the time. Well, for, I'm sorry, for 16 years, it's been me and the kids. And now, so a little bit was me saying, hey, don't come, you know, treading on our systems that we've had in place for 16 years. And some of it was him going, oh, we're going to change this and we're going to change that. We're going to, well, you can't do that, you know. Absolutely. We started butting heads a lot more and things I don't know. Things went south, and I'll get into those. There's some super, super personal things, but I'll get oh, into yeah. those those later. But basically, it just came down to we had, without even knowing it, grown apart. And in those years, I went from being that easily controlled person to, no, absolutely not. I've been a single parent to these kids. You're not going to now come back in and change my shit. Right. You're not. Absolutely. And so... No, I feel like my my experience was similar, but for a whole different reason. I happened to have my career started right when I got married. Mm-hmm. So I was already a teacher. I started teaching the same year I got married. So teaching became a huge part of my identity. I was a teacher. Then I became a mom and a wife, but that's about where it stopped. I didn't really focus on my identity, being a woman, my sexuality, any of that stuff. I was too busy figuring out teaching and mom and wife. And I got into the same pattern. I got into my mom role. I got into Mm -hmm. my wife role. And then they started sending him away for work more and more and more. And then I fell into that kind of single mom world. Mm -hmm. You know, he would be gone for two weeks at a time, maybe come home for the weekend, go away another week. Sometimes he'd be there a week, but he'd be working a lot. And so the the girls and I definitely formed our own little world. Yeah. And he came and went as it was. And that helped me a lot. I didn't realize how much that helped me, but I started little by little realizing that every time he was away for business, the house was so much more pleasant and the girls and I got along and they weren't spending all of their time in the bedroom because they didn't want to be yelled at. It wasn't awkward and it wasn't, yeah. Tense. It wasn't tense. Like every day we just waited for him to come through the door. Like what's his look, you know, is he happy? Mm -hmm. Is he pissed? Is he going to take it out on us? Did he have a bad day at work? Did we leave something open and he's going to go ballistic over it? It was just a constant guessing game. And that tension was gone when he would get sent away for work. And so then I started realizing, wow, I think this is something maybe I can't fix. And, you know, I just watched for, for so many years. I watched my mom and dad and they would have something go wrong and they would talk it out and they would fix it and everything would be fine. And they just communicated and and I guess I thought that all marriages worked like that. Like if I just communicated and I just said, you know, hey, here's our problem. How are we going to fix it? Here. It's all about communication. Right. Well, you both know. people have to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be yeah. a two-way street. And that just doesn't work with a narcissist because they're never wrong. And so you can tell them till you're blue in the face. And they'll even, if you catch them on a good day tell you oh yeah you're right I should change that but then 24 hours later you're a fucking bitch again yeah it's a dangerous cycle but luckily I was able to break it once he got started 
working outside of the house and uh, and being sent away for weeks at a time. And then I realized how much that's happier. That's when you notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when I noticed. And, and really, that's when things started brewing in my head. And that's when I started researching things online. And I, I think at the time, I didn't even realize verbal abuse was a thing. He had tried to get physical a few times, and that's another story. But uh, <laughs> But... For the most part, it was all verbal mm-hmm. and emotional. And I didn't even realize it was a thing. I just thought I felt like shit about myself and he was taking advantage of it. But now I know there's tons of us out there that have dealt with this or are dealing with this. And yeah. it sometimes seems impossible to escape. But I just, you know, I got to the point where my parents had a lot to do with it. My mom, you know, died suddenly from a massive heart attack. And then two and a half years later, my dad died suddenly. And then I just was like, okay. I, I can't take anymore. Yeah. I, I'm done. I'm only going to be happy from this day forward. And whatever <laughs> stands in the way of that can go to hell. And it happened to be my husband of 22 yeah. years. And uh, so I did. I just filed for divorce and said that this is the beginning of something new. And I don't know what the hell is going to become of it. But here I am three years later. And I would never, ever go back. Ever. In my case, I think it was a, a bait and switch. Because you knew me back mm-hmm. in the day. And you... I mean, I'm sitting here drinking White Claws today. But... <laughs> You knew me when I was super, like, super Mormon mom. Absolutely. That's how I met you because I offered you a, I don't even remember what drink it was, like a Mike's Hard Lemonade at um, Shelby's birthday party. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were like, no, sorry, I don't drink. (laughs) That was right how I met you. That's exactly it. Yes. And that's how I raised my kids. While, you know, he was, again, focused on medical school. I was the one that, you know, was holding all the callings in church. And I was the one that was kept the kids and all their, you know, activities in church. And I mean, when my youngest was uh, baptized, you and, you know, my my non-member friend group was actually the ones there. And I clung, especially because of my past, I clung to my religion. I will give it 100% credit. It pulled me out of the depths of hell. 100% credit. I have my issues with it now. I mean, clearly I'm not practicing because I'm very buzzed, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the D's in the title for a reason, people. (laughs) The reason why we drink while we're doing these is because we talk better. Like, we we want it to be an open and honest conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. And you let our guard down a little bit, put a few of these in us, and we let our guard down. So I mean, ain't no laws is a thing. (laughs) There's truth behind that statement. Exactly. You have not tried these things. They're really good. But whenever I met him, I married a return missionary that was very straight-laced. I mean, even on our date, you know, in our dating years, or I say that, we're Mormon, so we dated a year. (laughs) Um, Even in our dating year, there were times during our dates where, you know, we talked about the gospel, you know, that I grew up with, but didn't know a lot about because again, you know, we were inactive and active so much. And I learned a lot from him and I grew in my religion because of him. So over the years, I grew very, very, I'd say even more strict than he was. I became a very straight-laced Mormon. Whereas he, on the other hand, with the stresses, and I, I, I get it, the stresses of medical school, you honestly don't understand the stresses of medical school until you've gone through it. Those guys and girls go through so much, oh, so sure. much. But he was so hyper-focused on that, that, you know, depression starts kicking in and, sure. and, you know, we lived the years apart and he became a little resentful on some things and he kind of stopped 
practicing as much. And I became resentful of that. You know, look, this is our family and this is, no, you don't get to go. I'm not going to put you through medical school and you get to give up on our religion. You know, hell no. Right. And so I kind of, you know, started coming at him at that. And he was coming back at me at, you don't know what I'm going through. And I'm like, uh, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, we're all making the sacrifice for you in your dream career. Right. Like, we get it, but give us some credit. Because we've been here through undergrad, medical school, and residency. Living dirt-ass poor. Me working sometimes four jobs for you. Moving every time he needed to. Not pursuing any of my dreams. Right. bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Please. So, So... As, you know, as I saw him kind of stop going and stop supporting our son and, you know, the scout program and all of that, I became a little resentful. And I'll never forget, I went to, I could tell we were growing apart and I was really worried about my my marriage. And I went to our state president at the time and I was like, went to and I was in tears and I was like, I, you know, I'm trying to save my marriage, but I'm going, we have a, t- you know, we go to the temple every once in a while. And I was like, I'm going to the temple without him. He won't even come. And he was like, instead of saying, you know, maybe we should call him in and we should talk to him. I'll never forget. And this, this is where my downfall, I won't, I won't say downfall, but I, eye opening. Okay. My awakening. <laughs> this was the moment whenever he said, well, sister, are you praying? enough are you fasting enough and I thought I literally just told you that I'm on my knees praying through tears I'm fasting like crazy I'm going to the temple by myself begging him to come through those doors begging God please make my husband come through those doors they would close and he wouldn't be there like don't don't ask me if I'm doing enough I'm coming to you so you can help me help him right absolutely but it was all put back on me because I'm the woman and I left there feeling like shit. I bet. Like, I, I felt like shit. And that sent me into re- more resentment. And we had this whole thing where we would move back to Texas. You and I weren't, again, friends at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had already had our falling out. And we made the deal, let's move back to Texas. Let's get close to our, our family. And we'll have their support while we mend our relationship. And we moved back to Texas and uh, left our home in Michigan. And the whole thing was to mend our family. Mm -hmm. And we were here, we got here in June. And in January, nothing had changed. And I said to him, listen, these are the four or five things I require. Those those have to, I'm not going into another year. Right. Unless those four or five things are met. And there was some shady shit going on. And he was like, okay, okay. And then nothing. No changes were made. And he would always fall back on, well, I've got to fix my, you know, I've, I've got my own concerns. I've got my own things going on right now. Well, no, you need to save your family first. Right. And then we'll work on you. And then February of that year, this is 2015, February, I said, okay, you're going to go live with your mom. And I want these five things. I mean, they were simple things like date me. We, we, we hadn't gone out on a couple's date in years we hadn't gone on, ever gone on a couple's vacation, but just date me. And then he moved, or I said, you know, those five things. And I said, go stay with your mom. Let me see you working on those five things. Right. And then, you know, we'll we'll start working from there. Because having him in the house, having us both in the house, it was just constant turmoil. And Absolutely. it was affecting the kids and it was affecting their schooling and their emotions. And plus it was affecting us. And so I thought if I helped removed him from the situation so that we could both oh shit this is real we'll both focus harder 
Right. And instead, that was like literally the worst thing I could have done because that was where that was like the nail in his coffin for our marriage type of thing. Like that was it. And he had no intention of fixing things, do you think? Or I don't know that he was in the right state of mind to do any of that. And instead it all just it literally blew up in my face. Mm-hmm. And I'll go more into depth on that at a later date because it's in depth. Um, but yeah, the it was the destruction of our marriage. Wow. And I ended up filing just a year after that. Like that was a year of pure hell. And, and I know you've told me yeah. quite a bit about it. And yeah. So yeah, that was the end of my 20 year marriage. Wow. And, and after that, between that and kind of what happened with me and, you know, the church and not having the, anyone there to support me in, in our religion. When women get divorced, they apparently have a plague that their marriages can catch. and just So they had to marriage. scoot right away from you? Yes. And so I got treated different. And that's when I was like, I can't do this anymore. Wow. And I don't know how you and I started talking, but we actually started talking during that time. Mm-hmm. And... I remember I just apologized profusely because yeah. I was like, I like I felt so bad. I, I remember knew. exactly. I can't even tell you where I was sitting. I can't, too. I was in our master bedroom. <laughs> no, I was, so was I. I was, <laughs> I was completely alone, and I was like, I'm going through hell right now, and I now understand why I did to her what I you know, said to her and allowed all that to happen. Wow. That's so funny because that, I can remember exactly where I was, too. I was sitting on my bed, and I remember why. It was because your youngest was coming to visit my youngest. That's it. And we needed to to fix travel That's plans yep. and make sure that everything was set and then you said I just want to apologize to you and then we ended up talking for like an hour yeah and I was right in the middle of I didn't know it was going to be the end of my marriage but in the middle of hell yeah but with my marriage it was 22 years of him every time he got mad at me I'm done with this shit. This is ridiculous. You're a bitch. You're a bad mom. You're horrible. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. It was always him leaving. Always. For 22 years. So it was November of that year that we talked. So 2017. So just a little bit after that. And uh, we decided we were going to get divorced. And we were just done with it. And we coexisted in the same house, which is hell. Oh, my gosh. I don't advise that. We we did it for three years. That's why I had to get him out of the house. Oh it's like gosh. those those three years were terrible. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, you you can sleep in separate bedrooms. You can you know not talk to each other, but your your presence is still there in that house. Nothing is and, getting fixed. Oh my gosh, nothing gets fixed. The tension is ridiculous. The kids suffer. I mean, my girls were like walking on eggshells all the time because he would explode at anything, and I had learned to cope with him by being like him which was awful. So I would snap at them, which is not in my nature at all. Right. No. And oh, my God. I snapped <laughs> at my kids so much. Like, yeah. And they didn't deserve it. They were just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. But we weren't in our best form either. Oh, my gosh. No, so I, no I'm no. not excusing it. But at the same time, the moms we are now. Right. And, we and it, it took me a long time to realize I was a victim of abuse. Like, strong women aren't victims in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I thought and I thought and I thought. And so I wasn't a victim. I just, I wasn't doing something right. Like, I needed to figure out what I was doing wrong. But now I, I'm secure in saying that, yes, I was. I was a victim of, of emotional and verbal abuse. And it fucked up my life yeah. for a really long time. Yeah. And it fucked with my daughter's lives. And we're all still really, you know, at the point where we're dealing with the aftermath of that. But I never in 22 years said I want a divorce until I meant it. Mm-hmm. I heard it. I couldn't even tell you how many times I heard it out of him. 
Every time he got pissed off, I heard, you're a stupid bitch. Uh, well, you remember we were yeah. coming over to your, dinner, <laughs> your house one night for dinner. So, yeah. So, y'all were coming over to my house one night for dinner. And this is when we were all living in Michigan. And I, like, we were literally in the middle of cooking it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I got a text message. And it was from him. Mm-hmm. And it was, I opened it. And I was like, oh, this is a novel. And it was a big, long text. And it was like... We're not coming over for dinner. I'm divorcing Cheryl. And I was like, hold that. That was the second <laughs> sentence. We're not coming for dinner. I'm divorcing Cheryl. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> it's just tacos, people. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, and I called my, you know, my ex over. And I was like, what's going on? And at first we kind of thought it was a joke. We thought y'all were like playing a joke on us. Right. Because he was like, I can't deal with this shit anymore. I can't deal with her anymore. And he just like laid it all out. And we... I not barely knew y'all, but we weren't like as close as we had. Right. Not at all. We weren't as close as we eventually became. Right. It was probably within the first few months of knowing each other. And I was like, damn. And so I was like, you know, oh, I'm, is this a, first, I think first I said, was it, is this a joke? And he's like, no, this isn't a joke. I'm dead serious. And I've had so many years of this and I'm tired and placed it all on you. Always. And I was like, okay, you know what? We're here if y'all need us. And I, think I sent you a text message that was like, I don't know what's going on, but we're here if you need us mm-hmm. and we love you both. And then I think it was a couple of days later, I talked to you and you were like, yeah, it was just, it was so stupid. And you know, I, mean, I made excuses for it because that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly think you did. Like, yeah, you, of you course know, I did. It was just so stupid. And oh, it was just a big misunderstanding and he just gets mad. And yeah, anyone that's been married <laughs> to a narcissist or had one involved in their life knows that you spend that entire time with them, making excuses for them, telling other people, oh, well, they had a rough day. Oh, well, they didn't sleep good. Sorry, they were just crabby. And it's constant apologizing for them because they don't see any reason to apologize. Right. It's never their fault. I could not tell you how many times that happened over and over and over. And it was always my fault. Always, always, always. But it always came out of him. He told me, I can't tell you how many times he told me he'd rather be in jail than with me because I was so awful. Wow. Yeah. And uh, on some level, I knew I wasn't awful. Like I was working my ass off to be a good mom and a good wife. So I was at least mediocre. But I did. I believed it. Somehow it ate away at me over those years to the point that I just couldn't even look at myself anymore. I thought I was an awful mom. I thought I was an awful friend. I knew I was an awful wife. I've known you for many years and you are not mediocre when it comes to being a mom. Like, and I'm not just saying that, like I'm a, I'm a yeller and I'm a snapper outside of my Texas roots or my Mormon roots. I'm a Texan and Texans (laughs) are yellers. Texans mamas will, you know, will lay that shit on the line. Right. And so I kind of grew up with a double background where, yes, I had my Mormon side where it was, you know, speak softly and, oh, don't do that and use your words. And then I grew up on the Texas side was, I will rip your arm off and beat your ass with the stub. Like, that's literally, you know, how. Absolutely. So. I do have that side in me. However, I will say that you're a very soft-spoken, kind. Thank you. Yeah. So I I can't imagine what that must feel like to now realize that you actually always were a good mother, a good person uh, that didn't deserve any of that shit. Right. And I think that was my resistance against the victim thing. Like, I just didn't want to believe that I let that happen to me. But then I realized that it just it seeps into you little by little to the point that you don't just realize it. And it does. It just destroys you. Oh, 
hundred percent. Yeah. In my case, it was, you know, there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't the verbal abuse. There was the neglect of responsibility and Mm -hmm. it was, it was generational, not gonna lie. But, um, there was the neglect of responsibility where if shit was going down, you know, bills need to be paid or all this financial stuff going on. If it got too hard, we just neglected it. We just didn't, you know, pay attention to it. I wasn't allowed to control anything because the narcissist has to be in control of everything. Absolutely. So I wasn't allowed to control the finances or the bills or anything like that. And then all of a sudden I start to realize that, oh, wait a minute. I never checked my credit before because it used to be in the 780s. And then all of a sudden I checked my credit and it's in the 500s. And well, where's this loan coming from? And where's, why is this bill? you know six months past due and finances were never never where they were supposed to be and I'll admit I had checked myself out of it because I was told to right and then all of a sudden my my world was blowing up and I knew all along that he neglected responsibility and or it's not that he neglected it he didn't have the I guess teaching or or the habit of or he did have the habit of if it got too hard he would just if you ignore it it goes away yeah. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> so it's still there. You're yeah. just not looking at it. Yeah. And now because you've neglected it for so long, so it'll come back and slap you in the face. And in, in our case, it came back and slapped me in the face the right. hardest, you know, because my name was, everything was in the majority of my name because he was in medical school and not working. And I was the one that was working. I was the one with the income. Right. So my name was on everything. So all of a sudden my credit was destroyed. Wow. And that was kind of a huge eye-opener a huge factor yeah that would be tough because i i think god didn't have to deal with that i read uh patricia evans if you ever hear this i love you i read this series of books by patricia evans about verbal abuse and at the time that book and then um lundy bancroft's books are, are the only ones that were out there and i read the shit out of <laughs> all of them i haven't read them oh my gosh they're they saved my life literally really? because i didn't know there was a name and this was before you know google was huge mm-hmm. this is uh back in the day <laughs> when i know i know i couldn't aging. just go sorry <laughs> it's no uh <laughs> yeah kids we didn't have cell phones right <laughs> i couldn't just gts i couldn't just google that shit i had to read about it and uh and i read those books and i before that didn't know it was a thing i didn't know i was part of a group i didn't know something specific was happening to me i just knew life sucked and i didn't know why and then after reading her books um, about verbal abuse, I, I started reading so many studies and examples and everything just pointed to the fact that he probably was always going to be like this mm-hmm. and and never going to be able to see. And and I honest, honestly don't know if narcissism is, is labeled as a mental illness, but it should be. Maybe it is. But I just had to learn that if he wasn't going to do anything about it, there was nothing I could do for the entire rest of my life to fix it myself Mm -hmm. and and that's I I thumbed through those pages and I I really did want to find the chapter that said you know how you can fix this without his help yeah because I was sure if I just did the right thing he loved I mean he said he loved me right so he would do anything for me we have kids together like a life together holy shit yeah but uh, the more I read the more I just was convinced that you know, fixing this wasn't going to happen, but I was so weak that leaving wasn't an option. I just started to realize that I needed to have some sort of backup plan in case. So I would say probably 
10 years into my 22 year marriage, I started thinking about that. And we started separating accounts. I made excuses like I just forget to tell you when I've spent money. So I think I should separate my account. And then I took my name off of credit cards that he had opened. And oh my God, I wish it, I had thought of that. Well, I, I didn't. Thank God I read it in a book to start separating. I mean, there, it literally listed a, an escape plan. And then I joined. It was back back in the day when there were message boards. I don't know if those exist anymore, but there were tons of message boards about, you know, how to how to get your plan in order. And I would just read them and do what it said and separate your accounts, um, you know, do this, do this, do this. And I didn't have to deal at the end with that hit. Mm -hmm. I had to deal with him opening a couple accounts <laughs> under my name and spending money. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that was post-divorce. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, that was very shocking to me. So I think when we talk about how did we get here, I didn't expect to ever be here ever, especially in my 40s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I didn't I did not expect it at all. But I started knowing that, you know, when I went in and talked to the my state president or something, I realized that I was 39 at the time. And I remember thinking, I'm going into my 40s and I'm on the verge of divorce. Like I could tell some things might not be repairable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going into my 30s or my 40s and I'm going to be divorced. And of course, I was unhappy. So I literally, little Debbie, you owe me royalties because <laughs> I ate the shit out of your food because I ate my emotions, you know. Nutty bars. Oh, you love those yeah. things. I remember that. Holy <laughs> shit. Nutty bars. Oh, my God. One, I put one in each of my... Oh, I'm not going to lie. I would buy the nutty bars for me. And then I would buy my kids, like, the other little Debbie snacks. I'd put one, you know, one in each of their lunches. And I'd be like, one for you and one for you and one for you. And then mom's going to go sit down on the couch and watch my my soap operas, my my stories. <laughs> my stories. <laughs> That's my grandma would say. Oh, yeah. Next thing you know, I've eaten six packages of nutty bars. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So and I learned, did you know that those, those little containers of Ben and Jerry's, those mm -hmm. are not one serving. <laughs> I learned that recently <laughs> because little Debbie doesn't, lied. Little Debbie doesn't get any of my money, but uh, Ben and Jerry, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh, that is not one serving, and I I sure as hell made it one serving <laughs> several times, especially about three summers ago. That was like oh Chloe, God. Chloe would text me and say, uh, "Do you want anything on the way home?" <laughs> um, yeah, can you can you pick up some Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So you get the little Deb Debbie royalties, and I get the Ben and Jerry's okay. royalties. Well, there you go. Yeah. I could definitely tell something was going on. And then sure enough, as soon as we as soon as we moved back to Texas, all just all hell broke loose. And I thought an ultimatum was the right answer, but in hindsight, it may not have been the right answer, but it was it was definitely what I needed to get myself out of that. Cause I was in a, a cycle. Like I was in right. a it was like being caught in, you know, a washing machine where you just cannot, you just keep going around and around and around and around and nothing's getting yeah. fixed. You got to, you got to stop that shit. So, well, ultimately I think it was the right answer. Maybe it didn't give you exactly what you hoped, mm -hmm. but it led you to what needed to happen. Yeah. But, you know, and, and it led you to seeing that you were the one willing to work on it. And yeah, for sure. 
I didn't have that same experience because I never asked for a divorce. I never made it part of, of any of our conversations. So when I dropped it, I blindsided the hell out of him. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> you want to yeah. divorce me? This is, this is a whole new world. <laughs> and he thought I was joking because he had said it to me so many times. I wish I had tally marked. I mean, I'd have a whole notebook full. Yeah. So many times in 22 years that he just thought I was angry and like, oh, she's just, you know, I, I'm just leveling up to where he is and being an ass like he was. But no, I just meant it. I, I don't know. Something snapped. I think it was two months after my dad's death. So that had a ton to do with it. Oh, yeah. Sure. Like I just watched both my parents pass before they were ready to. And then I started thinking, am I living my best life? Am I as happy as I can be? Because I watched how fast that can get taken away from you. And mm -hmm. I am not going to spend one more day being anything but as happy as I can be. And when you find out your roadblock to happiness is the person you've been with for 22 years, it's kind of a big smack in the face. But when I said it, I meant it. And that was for hard, sure. hard for him. For sure. Hard for him. Oh, hard for him. Hard for, I mean, it was hard for mine whenever I said, go live with your mom and do these things. I mean, like I said, all hell broke loose. So, and that was, that was the end. Things were said and things were done that couldn't be ever unsaid and undone. And right. I'm a very final person. Like I'll fight, I'll fight. I will dig in and I will fight, but there will come that point. And I warned him and I'll, I'll warn anybody. There will come that point where that switch flips. And when it flips, there's no, no going back. When yeah. I'm done, I'm done. I'll fight for you, but when I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. And I didn't think I had that switch. I was so weak. I didn't think I had it in me. And it just came out of me. I don't even know what demons or angels <laughs> entered my body, <laughs> but it just came out of me. I was like, I'm done with this. Yes. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> the green pea soup came spit. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> He probably would have ran faster yeah. if it happened. I knew like you were a demon. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. Yeah, I've been called several things similar, so I guess he did know. <laughs> yep. Well, I think our whole, as we were, I guess, sitting down brainstorming this whole podcast, our whole point of it was to be a source and a support and open conversations. Right. I think our whole reason whenever we were brainstorming this to start this podcast is to be a source, um, a resource, support group, and also, but also to open up conversations that just aren't talked about or not talked about enough. Absolutely. And to allow women to, and men for that matter, because not all men are bad. Right. And, and right. sometimes yeah. it's the woman that fucks you over. I this mean, is not a, yeah, no, not a man we, bashing. No, no we 100% get that. We I, love our men. Yes. <laughs> And I know men who have been completely fucked over Absolutely. by their wives. So we want this to be a source for you to come and listen in and to relate or learn or say thank you for opening up these conversations so that maybe now you're thinking, yeah. maybe now you're processing differently. You know, maybe now you're seeing things that you hadn't seen before. Or maybe now that you feel good about the fact that, or justified, I should say, validated. Justified, validated. Val yeah. I think both of those. About, yeah. about feelings that you did have in the past, you know, mm -hmm. that there are a whole group of us out there huge group of us out there and and we need to band together and support each other and even talk to Vina before about us being like on a spectrum and I just feel like there's the beginning when you first file and then you just go through this whole process and it takes forever mm -hmm. and if you wouldn't have told me that I would at this point I'm almost three years out I would think that something's wrong with me and that I'm not 
processing it correctly. But to know that it takes several years to build your life back up helped me a ton. Yeah. And and I think, you know, all of us in between, whether we're at the beginning or at the end and can offer insight, we just need to bounce off of each other and be able to talk about these things that that are plaguing so many of us. I I know, and we've talked about this too, but since I filed, I've had so many people come out of the woodwork and tell me either they're going through hell in their marriage or they did the, you know, felt the same way when they got divorced or how did I get to the point where I knew our marriage wasn't going to work? Just all these questions that that we just need to talk about. We need yeah. to be more open and realize that we spend so much time on social media making our lives look perfect. And, and oh, I've got so, it together. Yeah, I'm so my. strong. And so that's our whole point in doing this this podcast is to create that environment, that conversation, open it up yeah. to, to all those who need it. Because we have to be able to say, yeah, my life is sucking right now. <laughs> and, yeah. and my Facebook or my Instagram or whatever stage of life that your social media is at, it looks great and looks like I'm happy and enjoying the hell out of every minute. Oh, but- Vani, you're such a strong woman. Do you know how many times I've heard that whenever I was literally in the depths of hell? Yeah. Absolutely. And we know now that that we're going through it, that so many of us are feeling the same exact way. But if you go look at our social media, we look so happy. Yeah. <laughs> We got it all together. <laughs> yeah. But we don't. And so we need to uh, to be okay talking about that. Exactly. Because how do we build each other up? I mean, I think that's a big thing in the culture right now from any age, from younger elementary age all the way up to build each other up. Mm-hmm. You know, girls being strong for other girls. But how do we do that if we can't talk about the fact that our life is not the picture perfect image that we put out to the rest of the world yes we're we're all dealing with something exactly and we need to talk about it. yes we do and hopefully y'all tune in once a week and if you have any topics or ideas definitely let us know yeah please comment and let us know because uh chances are we've dealt with it and we would love to <laughs> rattle on about yes. it for a while yes and Cheryl, when she gets drunk, she really rattles on. So it's fine. I like, can't stop talking. <laughs> but she's not wrong either. And we're going to apologize for all of our singing that is to come. So, oh, yeah. Stay tuned for some really good remakes. <laughs> so, thank y'all for tuning in. And we will talk to you soon.